Hello and welcome. You're listening to Connected and Ready, an ongoing conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed, brought to you by Microsoft. I'm Gemma Milne. I'm a technology journalist and author, and I'm going to be exploring trends around how companies are adapting to a disrupted world and preparing for tomorrow. We're going to speak to the innovators who are bringing products, operations and people together in new ways. In today's episode, I'm talking with Asher Lake, who is a corporate automation coach at Unlocking Digital and the RPA lead at Mercedes-Benz Customer Assistance Centre on the power of robotic process automation. We explore what exactly RPA is, how organisations commonly use it, challenges that may be encountered and what the most exciting opportunities are that are on offer. We also dive into how to scale solutions beyond the proof of concept and what businesses should be preparing for next. Before we start, I want to thank all of you listeners out there. If you have a topic or a person you'd love to hear on the show, please send us an email at connectedandready at microsoft.com. We're so thankful for you all. Now, on with the episode. Asher, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show today. I wonder if you could start by just telling us a little bit about who you are, what your role is and what you've been working on of late. Yeah, Asher Lake is my name. I'm acting as a corporate automation coach. Really happy with supporting companies, people with automating. Automating using RPA, robotic process automation, but also AI capabilities and conversational AI is what I love to do. I own my own company, but uh, currently also working for the Mercedes-Benz Customer Assistance Center and helping them to uh, yeah, up their game. If you talk about automation, uh, really take the robot out of the human, as I like to say. So we've been hearing a lot about automation of late. Um, it's certainly been a topic of conversation over the last couple of years. We're now hearing about RPA, DPA, BPM, all these different acronyms that all mean different things. It would be awesome for you to just give us a little bit of a, an intro to each of these, what all these uh, letters stand for and what the difference is between each of them and why they matter. Yeah, so I'll start with RPA. So it stands for Robotic Process Automation. And what it actually means is that you are supporting employees with a way of automating that's really focused on the desktop. So you kind of automate what you see on your screen and how you would do it as a human. And it's mainly focused on the kind of tedious, administrative, repetitive tasks that you automate. And often people state it looks like a robot because it's doing everything automatically for you. Uh, and that's exactly what it does. So, And what's also interesting is the process in the RPA acronym. So you are really looking at it from a process perspective, so a business process. So you do this, then you do that, then you do this. Uh, and then how can you automate that? Often, by the way, it's a little different if you automate it. So the robot, the RPA solution, maybe likes to do stuff before, so prepare everything that needs to be done and then do everything else. Uh, and we often, as humans, do it sequentially. So that's what you do with RPA. So the desktop process automation, the DPA, so that's really tasks like doing things with a macro. If I explain what RPA means, uh, I always ask, do you know how to create a macro in Excel? Well, RPA, DPA is kind of a macro deluxe for arcing multiple applications uh, like that. And then you have the actual business process management tools, so complete workflows that help people to state, okay, this is what you should do, and then up next, this approval should be done, and then you need to do this. So actually completely in a system, draft and design a complete flow of activities that need to be done. Uh, They are closely related, of course, to each other, but the whole workflow part of it is more what you do in this BPM kind of tools. 
while for RPA, you can just do part of a process, maybe only the beginning or at the end, or a human does something and then the robot does something. So human in the loop, and that could be orchestrated by some kind of BPM tooling, for example. Also, the big RPA vendors, they also are stepping into this game to also organize and orchestrate this. But that, uh, for me, are the most distinctive differences between those acronyms, solutions uh, you can bring to the people. So um, so let's dive a little bit more into RPA because you said that was kind of the one that you're most excited about and enjoy working with. So we hear about attended and unattended RPA. What's the difference between these two forms? Is one better than the other? Do they work together? Is it dependent on the task that you want to do? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, maybe a little bit of all of what you're stating, but uh, <laughs> the the attended version is kind of this robot is sitting on your machine and you trigger it manually, stating, okay, now I want you to do this task when you need it. Often that's used in, for example, a customer care center when you have your customer at the phone and you need to uh, look up some stuff. So you trigger your own robot manually. That's kind of the attended version. The unattended version is that you schedule or trigger your RPA solution in the background. For example, when you enter your office in the morning, the work has been prepared by uh, an unattended robot during the night. And the work that you still need to do is at your virtual desk, so to say, to continue on. Or maybe exceptions that the robot couldn't handle are offered to you to take care of. So, uh, yeah, both have their own value. So I won't say that the one is better than the other. It depends really on the task at hand and also how you as a human want to trigger that specific part of automation. What I do think is that often, most of the time, I started with unattended robots, preparing data, preparing processes, or maybe even finalizing them, and then only offer the things that are left to a human. You have also kind of a hybrid version in which part of the automation is done in the background, unattended, and part is done on your screen. Technology is evolving, but with a lot of solutions, when you have an attended bot, during that particular task, you're often not able to use your own desktop anymore because the robot is then occupying your machine and you need to wait for it to handle uh, well, not what needs to be handled. But as I stated, more and more you get this virtual entity on your machine so you are able to proceed with your own work while the robot is also doing the thing uh, asked for. So yeah, technology is developing, but that's the difference. If you would like to trigger it yourself or it must be triggered or scheduled in the background, maybe also triggered by API or another kind of more sophisticated way of triggering processes, then often the unattended bots are in place. So you mentioned already a couple of different examples, whether it's the gathering information for a customer service agent or or doing stuff through the night when you're not at your computer. It seems almost like the, the world's your oyster when it comes to these technologies. But considering, you know, you said the technology is still developing, where we're at right now, what are the most common or best uses for RPA? As opposed to sort of saying you can automate anything, it would be awesome to hear some specific examples of where you think companies or individuals as well within companies are really unlocking that potential as the technology sets at the moment? I think what I really experience also now visiting other companies is that it's kind of shocking for me that we are still doing a lot of administrative tasks ourselves, uh, still copy-pasting data from system A to system B. So I once heard from uh, RPA lead at Canon that he walks around the floor and he stays everywhere. You see more than two screens on a desk. 
uh, specifically when they are in uh, in portrait modes next to each other, you know that someone is doing some task that could be automated. Still, a lot of companies have inflow of a lot of mail, for example, uh, that needs to be categorized by someone. Also, when companies are maybe merged, so you have system A for company A and system B for company B, and that's a lot of work to get those systems together. So, But yeah, still, we need to have the information of our customers in both systems somehow. And then sometimes, of course, they are these APIs or whatever, but often you still see that people are using both applications to do their task. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. And I think the way to look at it is you need to look at your own process and see where you have this tedious kind of work. Most of the time, it's also not the work you really love to do. And then assess whether automation could help you out. That's often how I do it. We just sit with the people, we ask about their work, we shadow them and see what they are doing and asking questions. And then yeah, up until now, I always find cases in which automation could help out because people just accept that it is like it is and don't challenge if it could be different, if it could be uh, improving. So that, that whole mindset of, okay, but could I automate this or not? And if yes, how? That's often uh, what I encounter that that's maybe uh, keeping people away from uh, introducing new ideas for automation. But yeah, I think for now, if I walk into any company, I think I would spot some opportunities for some kind of automation and most likely RPA could be of help. Microsoft Power Automate is helping organizations digitize paper processes and automate time-consuming manual tasks. By bringing together robotic process automation, digital process automation, and AI together on a single platform, Power Automate serves the entire spectrum of an organization's automation needs. Watch a demo by following the link in the episode description. When it comes to, I guess, selecting processes for automation, and specifically for RPA, are there any principles or characteristics of these, I guess, potential processes that signify that they might be a good candidate for RPA? Mainly how I look at it, you need to have a stable process. So a process that's every day, every time, exactly the same. If you could explain it to someone with just if-then-else statements, if that's in place, you could do it. Also, it needs to be repetitive. So it's if-then-else, but it's also every day or twice or 300 times a day or 50,000 times a year or whatever. And also, the foundation is kind of stable. If you can put it on a whiteboard and you have a clear flow with not too much breakouts, uh, this kind of... Okay, but if this happened, then you need to do this. If you have a lot of them, then it might not be uh, really eligible for RPA. But if you can just map it out and explain it to your child or your mother or whomever is not doing your job, then it's eligible. And often you see those cases in finance departments. That's where you often start. Those processes are there already for ages Oh, yeah, you get an invoice, you need to be paying that invoice, you get a uh, purchase order, someone uh, will deliver goods. Uh, those flows are pretty straightforward. I should start there. Onboarding people, offboarding people, they all need to have access and maybe a car and a key card. And, and, and it's always the same with, of course, some variables. But those kind of processes, if then else, then you have a nice candidate for your RPA uh, endeavors. 
So let's talk a little bit about the benefits, I suppose, at different layers. We've got the, the benefit for the company as a whole. We've got benefit for departments or perhaps departmental managers, arguably. Um, and then, of course, the individuals doing the work themselves. And I think a lot of the discussions around automation, sometimes worries or criticisms of automation is that the how it benefits the company as a whole is very different than how it benefits the individual, particularly if it can result in not needing as much resource and, and thus jobs. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it unlocks at these different levels um, and why people should really think that this is a great technology or, or care about it and want to use it at whatever level they are in a company. Yeah, at every level it could bring value. If we take it from the top down, as a company maybe you would like to increase your quality. Uh, you would like to increase your time to market. You would like to save costs. But also, if you are a really good company, you would like to uh, enable your people, increase employee experience, put them in a place where they can really use their brain power instead of doing these tedious, repetitive, administrative tasks that's not really adding value but need to be done. So from a company perspective, you could look at productivity, at cost, at quality, at compliance, and you can bring that to the table as a trigger or a driver for automation. If you take it from a, a more, I would say, human perspective, you would go and have a look at your employees and, and look at what they are doing. Of course, sometimes it's nice to do a bit of the dull work if you may be tired or whatever. But in the end, there's not a lot of people who come home and stay to their partner. Well, you know what I did today, love? I copied a thousand rows from system A to system B and I was feeling, oh, this is the best job ever. Now it's about purpose, it's about collaboration, it's about adding value, it's about learning and mastering skills. And that's kind of a driver for automation to be at that level to increase your work happiness or employee experience or one of the taglines we used in the, in the company I worked for at KLM is enabling or helping people do what they do best. And we are not the best in copying data or browsing through rows of data to find whatever pattern, for example. And that's why at an employee level, it always unlocks more potential because you free up time and you're going to spend more time on tasks that are more value-adding. And maybe even things you didn't do before because you don't have time because you are doing this administrative task and things that are more complex are piling up. One story I really love in, in the previous company I was as well is that this lady stated, yeah, I'm really happy now because at five, I can go home instead of doing that other necessary and needed task that are there on my desk the whole day, but I didn't get to spend time to do it. But now I can go home early, spend time with the family instead of working late. Uh, so those things, those opportunities are there for the people. And then for the, the level in between, kind of. So uh, you have the big corporate goals and you have the employee goals. I think as a middle manager or on a tactical level, you should also aim to see how can we maybe move more across silos and see how your value stream could be yeah, pimped and be connected to others using automation and reducing the waste of handing over by using automation and to better work together. So those are all opportunities that are there for the grab. Uh, if you look at your own scope, being an executive, being an employee or somewhere in the middle. So let's say I'm listening and I've been convinced, hopefully they have been, by your RPA pitch, no matter what level they're at. Let's talk about the next step. How would an organization set up 
RPA capabilities? And then also, how would they then think about scaling their solutions? You know, we, we don't often talk about the, the second part. Is scaling easy or is it something that should be considered from the start that you need to kind of plan for right from the off? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it has been proven that scaling is hard. The first demo, the first proof of concept, the first Happy Flow bot, I think almost, I hope, <laughs> almost every company has that and tasted what it could bring. But often after that proof of concept, they get into the mode, and now what? How do we get this to the next level? So yes, I would say from the beginning, you need to have a clear idea on why are we bringing automation to the table? And then I come back to my topics. Is it cost saving? Is it compliancy? Is it uh, whatever? One of those, a productivity or all of the above. And then shape it, connect it to your purpose as a company. So for example, if quality, everything needs to be first time right, 100%, then you could put in automation. If it's about, uh, we would like to be more in connection with our customers and spend less time looking at a screen. By the way, maybe you're not also looking at a screen because your customer yeah. is in this video call with you, but still uh, um, spend more time with your customer. Yeah, that could be also something you need to do. And that I think you should be clear from the beginning because that will also be the storyline towards the people. So why are we doing automation? And that will help in the end scaling. You need to have a clear picture when, where your opportunities are connecting to your purpose and the reason you're going to automate. So that triangle should be clear. And then it depends really on your company culture. Determine, should I do it myself? Should we upskill a couple of people that are able to develop these kind of solutions? Or should we hire or should we do it in a hybrid mode? Uh, so that's also something you should think about from the beginning. And then also you need to be really clear, okay, and what value should it bring to us? Uh, is it just saving hours? Uh, are we aiming to increase impact or uh, and then based on that, you start to shape your backlog. You harvest your cases. You uh, have a look at, okay, and which one is ticking the boxes of what we stated, why we are going to automate. If you do that from the beginning, then the organization you need for that, also including IT. I love the agile principles. Uh, my team was a scrum team. It was connected to IT, connected to the business. It was really a cross-functional scrum team that was able to deliver uh, sprint by sprint value to the company. And that's how I like to look at it. And in the meantime, also foster your automation community. So there are always people in the company who like this topic, who would like to learn. So the whole citizen development part of it should also be taken into account. And then I think you have from all levels, and then you bring that community, your team, and the actual guidelines and, and principles you adhere to and voice to the rest of the company. You have a clear way forward. But that being said, you can start small because you can have your guidelines. So yes, give it a thought upfront. Don't just go for the proof of concept and then you get this breaking point. Really think ahead of where you should go. But in the meantime, don't overthink. Uh, also just start, uh, but have a clear target in mind where you would like to go and for what reason connected to your company's purpose. That would be my advice. 
So you mentioned citizen developers, and of course, there's a lot of discussion about in areas like low code, for instance, as well, how anyone can get involved with these technologies and really make the most of them, particularly when they have the expertise of what the task is at hand. Is it the case that sort of anyone can figure out RPA or, or do you need the blend of the, I guess, the traditional IT professional with the process expert or the RPA tinker, as it were? Yeah, I would say it depends on what you're doing. So if you are automating a process, and that's even maybe an important part of your company and what you need to do, important part of a value stream, I would say you should have some professional developers supporting you, really doing it like a developer does in a scrum way and so on. But if you are going to talk about parts of your own process, even tasks maybe, yeah, then it could be something you completely understand and it's maybe a couple of steps you always take. Yeah, For me, that's where the citizen developer comes in because he or she knows what she's doing and why she's doing it or he or she's doing it. And then you can perfectly step up your game and understand how you can drag and drop these building blocks to it. If you are, for example, WizKit guru in uh, creating uh, macros in Excel, then you most likely are also up for your uh, citizen development ship of RPA. Of course, it's called citizen development because everybody should be able to do it. But I think if you can draft a process, you understand the exceptions and so on, then I do think if you learn whatever tool, you can do some automation there. But if it becomes more complex, more interaction with other applications, I think it's a bit harder. And then you also need to be able to build sustainable solutions because there might be more exceptions. What if the application crashes? What if the input changes? Yeah, If you don't have the knowledge about that, then it's harder, I would say. So yeah, I think a lot of people can do it if you have a way of thinking, but don't underestimate the creation of a really solid, sustainable, reusable solution using RPA. What would you say are, I guess, the, some of the common mistakes or challenging hurdles the organizations face when they're starting to use these solutions or, or going on to scale them? Yeah, my own mistake maybe to share mm. because uh, that's, uh, is I started with a process and really started too big. Uh, with a too complex of a process, was already worked on. Also, really thinking you already understood the process, but you did not. Because that's the, the beauty of RPA. That's also the beauty of a robot. You can fake it. Uh, if you didn't tell it what it needs to be doing, it will not work. And that's what we did in the beginning. We took on a process that, that was, for us, too big to start with. So you should have a look at a process determine which part of the process you will focus on and start working on it, taking the people along. So really sit with the subject matter experts, have them in your whole design process, the groundwork we did. Overlook that. In the end, you will have a robot that needs to work alongside a human. The human does not agree, is not happy, is maybe even afraid of what automation would bring. And then the whole success rate of everything will go down the drain. So that's a mistake that's often made, not only in RPA processes, by the way, but uh, that's actually what we did. We were too disconnected from the actual people we would like to serve with this solution. We went and we took the whole process and wanted to automate everything. While if we had focused on one small deliverable, uh, like you do in Agile or Scrum, bringing value and then do some assessment, learn from it, and go to the next version, and so on, and so on. That's really a common mistake. Also, 
be clear on who you are going to serve because if people get enthusiastic, they have a lot of potential they will bring to you. Yeah, and then you have your team that's maybe six or whatever person and that's your scope, your scale. So they need to wait a long time and then they get discouraged and so on. So really doing good stakeholder management, what you will bring to the table for whom and when, that's good. And also showcase often, get people introduced to what RPA is and what it isn't. I think that's also a common mistake that people think they know what it is, but they don't. They have some expectation, they are not met and they're disappointed. Because if you go into this executive and say, okay, this will save us a lot of time, now, not per se. It really depends on what your automation purpose is. Maybe it's just improving quality and maybe it's even a bit more expensive. I don't know. It depends. But So the whole story needs to be clear, needs to match what you're aiming for. Uh, and that also helps you select the proper cases to automate. I'm curious with you, you saying there about this, you know, sometimes if it's a, a human doing a process or certain kinds of computer processes, there's a sort of fudging that can sometimes be allowed for or overlooked or whatever. What's the kind of role of, I guess, really scrutinizing the processes in the first place or or really good process design? So instead of going in, trying to automate something and going, oh gosh, there's quite a lot of random steps here that we hadn't really realized and then going, okay, well, we better automate them. Instead, actually taking a step back and going, maybe we should just change the process instead of just trying to automate something that's already counterintuitive or silly or useless or you know just inherited and has never been questioned or changed yeah that often happens if you have 10 people in the same room doing the same process for 10 years you get 10 different ways of how they do it so yeah there should be an optimal way right to do it and why are you doing it and then sometimes they start to argue why they do it like this and didn't tell them that it's also possible like that <laughs> uh, so yeah i think it's really interesting to have that conversation that's also why i state you need to sit alongside the people who are actually doing the job and yes then often you get into this discussion or conversation in which you say, yeah, we are doing this, but why are we doing this? And I think as a business analyst, RPA business analyst, RPA product owner, whatever role you have onboarding new cases, you should have this kind of lean glasses on. Uh, how could we remove waste before we are going to automate? So yes, I have this acronym and I stole it, borrowed it from uh, Shell. Uh, but uh, you trace, you eliminate, you simplify, standardize, and then you automate. So you have this flow of doing things. What I do, where I'm in favor of, is not to first, because sometimes people say, yeah, let's first lean our process, and then we are going to look how to automate. I don't believe that is the best way forward. I think you should do it both. So you sit next to your black belt or green belt or whatever process innovator or specialist who has those kind of skills, you bring to the table the IT part of it, you join forces, you look at the process and you label where you think RPA could help and the lean specialist states, okay, and this is where we should remove waste and maybe we could do it with automation or not, we could remove it completely. And then you have from the beginning, from the outset is the right way to go. That's what we called in my previous company, the Waste Busters, combining lean with uh, well, the technology guys or girls that were able to uh, inject that from the beginning. So do not split, join forces and take it from there together. Then I think you have the fastest way towards uh, adding value. So from your perspective, you know, not only going in and helping people get started and scale up, but also as someone who has a good broad view 
of the state of technology and really being able to see the potential at large of this technology that perhaps others cannot. Where do you really think the power lies with RPA? You know, where do you think it can be used more that maybe currently it's not really being considered? I think in healthcare, I see it happening, but I think that's one of the fields that is maybe lacking a, a bit behind. I think also in IT, uh, strange enough, often uh, we solve it in another way. We like to do maybe some coding ourselves, but maybe not the best way to orchestrate your solutions to be able to scale out to others uh, as well. And I think that those are from the top of my mind areas, maybe also customer centers, customer contact centers. I think they are stepping up their game as well. What would be the healthcare example? Nurses taking notes or moving stuff between systems? Like, Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I would say that there's a lot of time spent documenting what you learned from your patient that often needs to be shared in whatever digital uh, file system for other maybe uh, if you are going from this physician to that physician to another one those kind of systems are not always interconnected a lot of administration needs to be done for whatever reason sometimes they have this uh, central national entity that needs to know okay how about heart diseases coming up and and you need to share part of your information that all needs to be done by people who are taking care of people. I would like to, them to focus on taking care of people and they just with a push of a button can say, okay, send this documentation for uh, investigation to University XYZ with a push of a button instead of typing or in another way dealing with those kind of things. If I don't have the figures, but from a Dutch perspective, there's a lot of administrative workload put on our healthcare professionals. Yeah, you should relieve them from that so they can focus on what they love doing and what they're good at and what we need the health of all of us so yeah i think a lot of administrative parts there can be done around the patient around collecting and combining information to be able to assess it uh, those are some of the things i really see that could take the robot out of the human I think that's a really compelling argument for this point that people make when they say automating tasks is really about freeing up humans to do other things. And I think sometimes that can sound like a sort of cynical band-aid over the wound of, you know, but what about, you know, unemployment? But of course, when you're talking about industries or areas where there's such a huge shortage of capacity by people who have these expert skills, of course, it, it starts to make a lot of sense. But from your perspective, how should companies and organizations think about automation in relationship to the people, whether it's employees or people who work for public bodies and so on and so forth? So yeah, I just dropped a call to, it's called Automation Anxiety, what to do about it. It's a fair topic to discuss because especially for people that are educated in a certain way and maybe have a certain age. By the way, age is not always the reason. Uh, it's about the, the ability to change. And not everybody has that same ability or capability. If you look at what happens if we automate stuff, uh, we have been doing that as humankind for a couple of decades now. Often, up until now, we just got more jobs instead of less I think that needs some attention depending on the area of where you are as a company is that you are really taking care of, okay, but is everybody able to go along with this flow and have that discussion from the beginning? I always ask, okay, what's, your, what's the reason for you to automate? Is it to get rid of people or is it to improve quality or is it to increase productivity or what? And, and I think 
you need to be fair and transparent on what the reason is so everybody can put to the table what their fear might be. And in the meantime, you need to be clear what you are doing, taking what I said earlier, connecting it to the purpose why you are automating. If it's not about people, but quality or productivity or whatever, yeah, then they don't need to be afraid. Well, that could hoover over their head as, uh-oh, what will be happening? So yeah, I think you need to be transparent. Cost is not the primary reason to use RPA. It should be quality. It should be compliance. It should be removing the dullness of the way we do our job. But yeah, in the end, you should respect that people are afraid and just open the conversation about that and have a clear story. And then you, that's why you need to have a vision. Then you could develop this clear, clear story, which will make clear what they could expect, uh, whether they should be afraid or not. That would be my opinion. So let's finish in a little bit of future gazing and thinking about how RPA is going to sort of impact us all as we move forward. What's on the horizon? What do you think RPA is going to be unlocking next for the way people work and the benefits that both individuals and organizations can realize? You know, from your perspective, what would be the next thing that people should be thinking about or playing with, tinkering with today? I think the integration with AI, like RPA in the beginning was, okay, what is RPA? And a lot of people, they know that AI stands for artificial intelligence, but then, now what again? What is machine learning and what is deep learning? And uh, I see things about deep fake machines. What will it really bring? I would say, uh, and it's also on us as people who are in this automation area, is to demystify what AI could bring. And what I think if you connect it to RPA, RPA is kind of helping you to structure your processes. Therefore, you get a more structured way of data. If you have data, then you have the opportunity and the possibility to use AI. So the whole combination of, okay, how can those two leverage each other is one of the solutions we are also bringing to the market called intelligent mail automation. So you use natural language understanding um, to understand what is in this body of the email, categorize it, put it in the right back office system so someone can take or someone, or maybe an RPA solution, can take care of it. So what I really look at is how can we make AI tangible? So not just these crazy and scary stories about uh, whatever sci-fi movie around artificial intelligence, but what does natural language understanding mean and how can I apply it? What does computer vision mean and how can I apply it in my own domain? So those kind of things, I think, are the next step to explain and to apply on the, uh, yeah, Again, everybody has mail coming in as a company. Could you combine some intelligent machine learning engine that recognizes patterns in those mails and can categorize it and put it into a ticketing system which you can pick up as a human? Those are things I think we should look at. And in the end, it might be cool if AI could recognize patterns in the process and propose how to solve it. So you should put an RPA solution here. You should do your BPM over here. So you get a AI-enabled RPA suggestion taking you to the next level. That would be great. And then in the end, of course, you have the technology so the robot can build and restore and heal itself based on if a process changes, it recognizes the change and knows what to do or proposes things like that. So yeah, using process mining is also interesting to do that to get insights, use, uh, using technology to get insights into your processes and to yeah, jump in where should I automate using what kind of technology. I think that that's horizon one kind of thing we should be uh, looking for, if you ask me. 
Amazing. Asher, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much wisdom, both in terms of what it takes to really get started, to scale up, to encouraging stakeholders and various different levels of companies and organizations to really dive in and realize the potential of this technology, but also touching a little bit on what the future holds and hopefully open people's minds to where this can be used, both in a, in a lucrative way, but also in a really responsible way. So Asher, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Gemma. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find out more about Asher's work and indeed some of the broader themes we discussed today in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, please do take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people discover our show. And don't forget to hit subscribe and tune in next time to continue our conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed. Learn how Microsoft Power Automate is helping organizations digitize paper processes and automate time-consuming manual tasks without writing a single line of code. Watch a demo by following the link in the episode description.